Chapter Twenty Six of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. When Davy came in from the Wirree the night after Mrs. Cameron had been to see Deirdre and the schoolmaster, Donald Cameron was standing before the fire. He had said nothing all the way of the long drive from Wirreeford, but his wife, by the set of his face, knew that something unusual had happened. He stood before the fireplace waiting for Davy to come home, listening for the sound of his horse's feet, the yelping of the dogs in the yard that would announce his arrival. Before they had left the sale-yards, as he was sitting in the high buggy before they drove off, he had sent her back to look for Davy and tell him to come home as soon as the sales were over. Davy, a lean, lithe figure on the edge of a group of stockmen, had recognised the urgency in her voice the appeal of her eyes as she gave him the message. "'We were just fixing up to have a game of poker tonight, Mrs. Cameron,' Mick Ross had said. She sought Davy's eyes. The shadow of his hat was over them. He stood a moment flicking his leggings with the lash of the long whip curled on his arm. "'Right, mother. I'll come along presently,' he said. She went back to her husband, her heart soothed. But his face all the way home had filled her with fear. "'Has anything happened to upset you, Donald?' she asked. "'Aye, matter enough,' he replied. "'What is it?' she ventured. "'You're here soon.' He lapsed into silence again. She knew that there was trouble ahead for Davy. What it was she could only imagine. Every fibre of her being ached to know. She hurried Jenny on with the dinner so that his father's inner man would be warmed and comforted before Davy arrived. He was an hour or two later than they were. When he came into the kitchen, she went up to him and put her arms around him. "'Whatever you do, don't cross your father, Davy, dear,' she said. "'He's in a queer temper to-night.' Davy looked at her stupidly. He threw off his hat and brushed his hand across his forehead. "'Right, mother,' he said slowly. His voice was thick. She smelt the whisky on his breath as he turned into the next room. Hurrying backwards and forwards from the fire to the table, lifting the dinner she had kept warm for him by the fire, she did not hear the first words of the storm that was brewing in the inner room. Lifting the tray, she carried it in, but on the threshold she stood still, her heart cold at the sight of her husband and son. They were facing each other, all the antagonisms that had been latent for months between them, ablaze in their eyes, betrayed by every line of their passion-white faces, she put her tray on the table. Donald Cameron had a packet of papers in his hand. The torn envelope he had taken them from lay on the floor. "'Look at them! Look at them!' he shouted. "'Perhaps you can tell me the meaning of them!' Davy took the papers. He pushed back a chair, staring at them. "'Curse McNab!' he muttered. "'He promised me!' "'Curb your tongue in this house!' Donald Cameron took a step forward. "'Have you anything to say to these bills? "'McNab says you've had credit for a couple of hundred pounds.' Davy's head cleared. The sight of his father's face, livid with rage, raised a demon in him. "'Yes,' he said. "'There's a couple of drinks I had today not charged for.' "'You insolent young blaggard!' Donald Cameron cried, careless of words in his anger. "'Is this the sort of son I've got? "'Goes robbing me behind my back?' "'drinking with pothouse boys, lags and thieves. "'I thought you could be trusted to take charge of my interests while I was ill.' "'Stop that,' 
Davy's nostrils quivered ominously. Thought you could play the young lord, and McNab comes telling me. I'll wring McNab's neck. Aye, you will, said the old man bitterly. You've let him wring you properly. McNab's got no reason to love me, and you know it, but he did the square thing this time. If he never did it in his life before, telling me I was being robbed by my own son. I'd advise you, father, not to talk that way. Davy's temper was rising. I wanted money. You wouldn't have given it to me if I'd asked for it. I had to get it. McNab lent it to me. He said I could pay him by and by, and that it was good enough, being Cameron's son, to borrow money on. He said you'd never see these receipts I gave him. Well, you'll borrow no more, Donald Cameron breathed. Johnson can take charge of things till I'm about again, and before you make an arrangement of this kind again, you'll perhaps wait till I'm dead and buried. I'll have it posted in the weary that no one is to serve you with drink unless you pay for it. If you do that, Davy began, what I regret is that I didn't give Johnson charge of things from the first, the old man continued. But I set my own son before him. You've shown you weren't fit for the trust, snaring me on a level with jailbirds. Davy's voice trembled with passion. I haven't snared you, he cried. I haven't taken what wasn't my own. Isn't what's yours, mine? Haven't you always said so? Isn't that what you've said when I've asked for wages and you've said no? Haven't you said that it will all be mine some day, this place and all the money you've made? Who else have you got to give it to? I've only been doing with the money what you ought to have done. I've spent some of it so as not to have a shamed in the country. Oh, that's it, is it? Donald Cameron's eyes gleamed beneath their shaggy brows. The sons to make ducks and drakes of the fortune the father earns by the sweat of his brow. Well, I'll tell you this much, Davy. You'll not get a penny of my money to throw to the winds. If you were a good son, a hard-working, industrious lad, you might be sure of it. But if you were fifty times flesh of my flesh, you'd not get a penny to go to the devil with. Donald! Donald! Mary Cameron lay a hand on her husband's coat. Don't speak to the boy like that, she cried. You know he's a good lad, that he's worked hard for years. He pushed her away. Be silent, he said harshly. You've held your tongue, though you must have known what's been going on, that he's got into these brawling, roistering ways. McNab told me about them. "'said that I'd be blaming him when I found out "'if he didn't tell me himself. "'You've screened and hidden the boy.' "'Leave mother out of it,' Davy said. "'Davy!' she besought him. "'It's all right, mother,' he turned from her impatiently. "'We've got to have this out now and be done with it. "'I'm not going on as I have done. "'This is what I've got to say.' "'He eyed Donald Cameron squarely. "'Since I left school four years ago, "'I've worked on this place.' "'Worked harder than two men. "'And what have I got for it? "'Wages? No. "'Abuse? Stacks of it. "'And you're making money hand over fist.' "'The contempt in his eyes deepened. "'I know what your bank says. "'I know what the countryside says about Donald Cameron's money. "'You're the richest man this side of the ranges. "'But how do we live? "'You go about in old clothes as if you hadn't a penny to bless yourself with, "'and I might be anybody's rouseabout for the look of me.' Never a penny leaks out of your pockets if you can help it. There's none in them to leak out of mine. Don't you know what people are saying about us? Haven't you heard anybody say, There go Cameron and his son. Old Cameron is as mean as they make em, and young Davy's a chip off the old block. It was hearing that that got me down. What's the good of your money to you? What's the good of it to mother? 
What's the good of it to me? Because you worked hard for it in the beginning, is that any reason why you should hang on to it when you've got it? Be afraid to spend it? I might just as well be dead as working always with nothing else in the world to think of but work, always under your thumb, screwed down, not allowed to have a mind of my own. I'd rather get a job on the roads and be free and have a few shillings in my pocket. Donald Cameron's face was set. I've had my say, he said. And I've had my say, cried Davy. Johnson'll have charge from tomorrow and you'll work under him. You'll give me wages. Pay me the same as the rest of the men? Davy asked, his eyes bright with anger. No. Cameron hesitated. Something of the justice of the boy's point of view reached him, but there was more involved than a mere recognition of justice. It meant the breaking of a will, and it was foreign to his mind to yield. His obstinacy was the habit of a lifetime. "'You're my son, not a hired labourer on the place,' he said. "'I've fed and clothed you all your days. You'll have food and clothes, and what else I like to give you?' "'And how much will that be?' Davy eyed him narrowly. It won't wear a hole in your trouser pockets. Donald Cameron permitted himself the grim humour, believing that he had won the day, and it won't encourage you to be dicing and drinking at McNab's. His mother, more sensitive to Davy's state of mind, broke in. Oh, she cried, have no more of this talking now. Sit and eat your supper, Davy. It'll all be cold. Stick to your money, Davy yelled. I won't be fed and clothed by you any longer. I'll earn my own living somewhere else. He strode out of the room. His mother heard him go across the flagged floor of the kitchen. Go out after him, Donald. Call him back, she urged. No, said Cameron slowly. Davy's defiance was a shock to him. He had ruled his little world autocratically. His will had been law. He had not believed that Davy would dare to resist it. If he goes of his own will, let him come back of it, he said. Oh, go after him, Donald, she cried. You've driven him to it, you, with your harshness. She ran to the door, but already the beat of hoofs was flying up from the misty depths of the trees. Davy, 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 she called. She ran down the track calling him, but Davy was beyond her voice, or the sound of his horse's hoofs, and the hot blood in his ears dulled the echo of his name that floated down to him. When Mary went indoors again, Donald Cameron was sitting in his chair. The fire had gone out of his eyes, leaving him dull and vacant. "'You've been harsh with him, Donald,' she said. "'It's all true what he says. You have worked him like a navvy, and never given him enough pocket money to keep him in tobacco, even. It's hard on him when the Morrison boys and the Rosses have their own money to spend,' and everybody saying we're better off than any of the people about. You wouldn't have stood so much yourself at his age. Whist, woman, he said pettishly, his head bent, as if he were trying to catch the sound of distant hoof-beats. Of course you'd take sides with him. Oh, Donald, isn't it yourself in him that's making him like this, she cried. Isn't it your own blood speaking in all his high-handed ways? What did you think your son would be to take the sort of treatment you've given him from any man, even his own father. You should have stayed on the farm in the old country if you'd wanted that sort of man for a son. If you hadn't wanted Davy to have a high spirit, you should never have come over the sea here. You shouldn't have had me to come with you for his mother. Donald Cameron dropped into his chair. His face was grey and lined, as if the light behind it were extinguished. Be quiet, will you not, woman, he said. 
I will not. There was spark in her eyes. I've got to say what I'm thinking now, Donald Cameron. I've held my tongue long enough. You've had your way, and I've hardly dared to breathe when you spoke for years. You're always laying your will on people, crushes the spirit in them. The dominating way you have wants to lay everything down before it. But I'm glad you've not crushed Davy, though it's breaking my heart to think of his going away from us. I'd rather have it than see him grow into the creeping, crawling thing Nat Johnson is. Davy's got in him what brought you and me here. I'm glad he's got that spirit. There's no fear in it. It goes straight forward. You've grown old, and I've grown old, she continued breathlessly. We've lost all our fire, but he's got it. It's going on in him. And you, with your old ideas, you don't like it, but he's got to be free. He's got to go his own way. He's got to break his own earth, Donald. Donald Cameron moved restively. It's from his mother he's taken his liking for clucking words, then, he said. She fell back from him with a little desperate gesture that she had made so little headway against the stone wall of his mind. "'Will you not go after him to Wirreford and get him to come home again?' she asked pitifully. "'He is a clever lad. He'll be a credit and joy to us yet, if you'll only give him his head for a bit, Donald. This at McNab's doesn't mean anything. It's only to put you right with the people here, really, and because he's troubled in his mind about something else.' "'What do you mean?' His eyebrows twitched, his sharp eyes settled on her. "'There's a girl on his mind,' she replied hesitatingly. "'Jess Ross?' he asked. "'I'd fixed in my mind for him to marry her.' "'Well,' there was a glimmer of a smile in her eyes. "'It's not Jessie that Davy's got fixed in his mind to marry, "'so perhaps it's just as well you should be away from each other for a while.' One of the weary girls, lags, daughters, every one of them. His fingers drummed on the arm of his chair. A shade of sadness had fallen on Mrs. Cameron's face. Well, you, you won't get Davy to come home, or let me try? She asked, her heart fainting at her own words. No, he repeated the words slowly, as if in fear that his tongue would give effect to other stirrings of his brain. Of his own will he went, of his own will, he'll come back again. Would you have in like circumstances, she asked? He did not reply. He's our only one, Donald, she pleaded. He's my son, but what's the meaning of these, he said, shuffling the handful of McNab's papers Davy had thrown down. Did I ever make bills like this for myself? Haven't I worked and slaved year in and year out? Did I ever throw away roistering what he has? Mary looked at the bills. She had not seen them before. Oh, she said slowly, that's the bad blood of me in him. My people were all a spendthrift lot, and I've never been able to keep anything at all myself, whether it was love or money or a shawl or even a spirit of my own to go through my life with. She picked up the tray with Davy's untouched meal on it and went out of the room. End of chapter 26